back into the Lions 247 podcast. I am Tyler Donahue. He is Sean Fitz, and we're preparing for game number seven on Penn State's 2021 football schedule. Illinois coming to town for a noon kickoff on Saturday against the seventh-ranked Penn State Nittany Lions. Before we get going here, I want to stand, extend a lot of appreciation to my co-host here, Sean Fitz, to Mark Brennan, to Brian Doan, to the recruits who came on. Some really great conversations that they had with Sean and, of course, our producer, Lance Glenn, for giving me some time and some space uh, with, with my newborn daughter during the past week. It's been best days of my life, Sean. It's certainly good to see your face again. Probably the longest I have not looked at, at Olive's face uh, in, in seven days. But, um, you know, I, I'm happy to be back and uh, I'm happy that you guys were able to, to keep the ball rolling without me. I had no doubts about it. We are ex- extremely happy for you guys. Obviously, you look like uh, a happy new dad. So uh, congratulations <laughs> on that. Of course, I know we've spoken many times off the podcast, yeah. but it's it's awesome to see that come. I know this is uh, something you guys have been looking forward to for a long time. I'm glad the uh, the expectations were high and the results are even better. So it's good <laughs> to have you back on uh, to talk football. I know our, our listeners have missed you as well. So uh, it's it's just great uh, great to get back into game week. No doubt. And by the way, our listeners, uh, just people on Twitter, certainly the people on our message board, Heard y'all loud and clear. If I didn't get back to you, thank you. A lot of positive vibes in the past week or so, and really throughout the pregnancy. Uh, but you know, really appreciate that from from the Mrs. and I. Um, getting back to football, we're gonna have the chance to focus in on Illinois in depth with Jeremy Warner. It has been a tough watch offensively for the Illini during a two and five start uh, that has featured a, a shutout loss most recently uh, to Wisconsin, a loss to Texas San Antonio. But there have been some close calls along the way where. A win could have been picked up here and there if a play goes wrong or right. Brett Bielema, first-year head coach there, had some interesting things to say. We're going to get into that and what feels like a, a program that has a lot to figure out right now, seven games in to a new era. But, Sean, this is a series that Penn State has historically dominated, 20-5 to all-time. The Lions have won three consecutive going back to 2015, outscoring the Illini 158-45 to during that three-game span. And remember last year was that bonus Big Ten matchup, the mystery box at the end of a very strange season for Penn State. It was 21-21 to after the first quarter in a dark and lonely and empty Beaver Stadium there. Days before Christmas, Penn State turns the gas on 56-21, to the final score. And it was Jahan Dotson's potential parting shot as a Nittany Lion. He stuck around, but he was sensational that night. Yeah, that was a big time uh, way to end the season. Obviously, Illinois was pretty broken by then. Of course, part of ways with Lovey Smith, and um, but uh, you know, it's it, it's it's always interesting to watch this matchup. It reminds me of the uh, the 2005 matchup. I was actually just looking up the box score. That's 16 years ago tomorrow. Actually, the only game I ever watched in the now defunct G-Man, uh, but that was a blowout, 63 to 10. So there's there's plenty of memories all, all along the way. Uh, you think at the time that Mike Loxley spent at Illinois um, and the, the the success that he had with guys like Aurelius. Ben, but this uh, Illini team a little bit different. Uh, mm. Solid defense, no offense to speak of. I think uh, Brandon Peters, former Michigan quarterback, Art Sikowski, former Rutgers quarterback, not getting the job done uh, for this team. Uh, Brett Bielema had some comments earlier this week that uh, were not too uh, not too nice to the guys that are on his current roster. Not not exactly lying about the guys that are on his current roster or what what he inherited from Lovey Smith, but uh, this is a team that uh, you know has, to their credit has stayed in some games, has played some close games, but just hasn't had the offensive firepower to get it done. They have some recycled parts, particularly that quarterback that have not worked out well. Certainly, you look across the board at these rosters, and there is a tremendous, as is often the case when Penn State faces Illinois, a tremendous advantage in the terms of athleticism and talent uh, in terms of what we perceive for Penn State. But the question is, 
there was a lot of talent on the field there in Iowa City a couple weekends ago. And because of what happened at quarterback, that talent was not utilized very much at all. Can that change? Will that change? Who will be the quarterback? You were at the practice field on Wednesday. I was not. You and Mark, Grace Brennan, um, checking out things in person. I was following along, catching up on your coverage. What do you think about where things are rolling? And now that Sean Clifford has shown his face and, and being involved in drills and pads and everything. Well, not surprised to see Sean Clifford out of practice. Maybe surprised to see how much he was doing, which was not not a big drop off from what we've seen from him in the past in terms of stepping up at the front of the line, taking the reps, throwing the ball. Um, you know, he he looked like probably moving a little bit gingerly, but I expected a lot less from him. You know, typically when James Franklin has injured players and he's trying to to play that game that he plays where he brings them out. And I think we've seen Adisa Isaac in pads this year, which obviously that's a, a little bit of a red herring, you know, it kind of stands in the back of drills, wears the sweatpants or whatever. But Sean Clifford was out there throwing the ball around. He was doing some good things. He was leading, uh, leading the charge among the quarterbacks and the rep split where James Franklin said afterwards it was a third, a third, a third. I kind of disagree with that. It seemed like a, a decent load for Clifford, a solid amount for Taquan Roberson, and then a couple of a uh, couple of spare reps there for Christian Veyer. So, um, you know, I, I I am still skeptical in terms of, and you hate to say it this way, do, do you need him as much this weekend? Can you use him as an emergency quarterback? Do you you know keep the you know, keep him in the in the holster there, just in case you you're, you're not scoring points or anything like that uh, earlier on. Early on, if T- Taquan Roberson does indeed start, so I think there's a lot of questions there. But just good news to see Clifford out there altogether. Obviously, the 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 elephant in the room there is is in Columbus in a week and a half, and that's the that's the big one. And uh, again, you just don't want to trample all over Illinois, but Illinois is a, a two and five football team that, that struggled to score points. So you should be, you're a big favorite for a reason there. Um, but you, you love seeing Clifford out there. You love seeing them taking the steps forward, whether that translates to Saturday, again, still skeptical as to how much we see. Um, if at all, we see Clifford on Saturday, but uh, really, really positive uh, Wednesday impression for, for Sean Clifford. Since September 4th, when, when, this Illinois team scored 30 points in a seven-point loss to uh, Texas San Antonio. Uh, they have produced 14 points, 17 points, nine points, and zero points in four losses. They managed 24 points in a 24 to 14 victory over Charlotte on October 2nd. But yeah, it doesn't feel like you got to put up 35 points in this one. And you're not going against the Hawkeyes defense, uh, but something's got to get right here at quarterback. And I thought it was interesting last week. Um, you know, as I was having my life thrown in a different direction. Franklin talking about splitting reps with the two younger quarterbacks. Um, now Clifford resurfaces. I had said, you know, I, I was kind of putting aside the fact that we may see Christian involved in the game plan. If Sean Clifford isn't out there and, and we don't see him, let's say, until Columbus, what do you think about the possibility of seeing the true freshman involved in the game plan on Saturday? Well, hopefully they're in a position where there's no reason not to play him. I mean, you got that four red shirt or that four game red shirt rule now. So use them while you need them. You know, you you need a backup or a third string quarterback at, at this point just to, to get him reps, to get him experience and and to get, uh, you know, if, if Roberson struggles, you need to find out what that room is made of because, you know, it could be it could still look very different next year. Of course, Clifford does have the covid year available. We'll see where that goes. Roberson, you know, if he if he doesn't find himself in a position where he's able to, to move the football or anything. You've got Drew Alar and 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 Bro Perbula coming in next year. You got Veyer in there. So I think it's a very interesting subplot here. And you want to get those guys as much reps as possible. You're never going to get as many game reps as you want with those guys because you always want to try and throw as much as you can. It's just not this is 
not how that works. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know if it's a part of the game plan in the sense that it's going to win, you know, you're going to put him in, a, put him in there with the game in doubt, mm-hmm. say, go win this game for us. But I think there's a, there's a reasonable argument to get him in there three to one, four to one in terms of, uh, in terms of, uh, series, because, what you've seen from Roberson doesn't give you the confidence that, you know, he's really going to be the out and out guy. So you might as well see what you've got in the, in the true freshman. Um, we watched them throw side by side last week. Uh, wasn't a ton of difference there. I, I think last night there was probably a little bit of separation. I thought Roberson threw the ball better than, than Veyer, but to be honest with you, I mean, you've got to figure out what you've got with Roberson because you're at a pivotal point after this season. If Sean Clifford doesn't come out, come back. Um, and I know you, you're, you're a little bit more appealing without a, a returning starter in the transfer market, but you've got those freshmen coming in. Um, it just seems like you're turning a corner in that room. And, and is Roberson going to be there along for the ride after you turn that corner? Yeah, they have six games here in the regular season moving ahead, at least one postseason matchup down the road. You can use Veyer four times along the way, and he's still a freshman for you next season. So that's part of the strategy here as well. And and Roberson's going to have to carve out some kind of definitive role for himself on this roster here in the next six weeks, what he is for the team, what his value is right now, what his value could be next year, because we'll talk about those quarterbacks because both of them surfaced on the front page of Lions 24-7 yesterday, Drew Aller and Bo Perbula. We'll save that for a little bit later because we're going to talk about the updated rankings that came out 24-7. But it's an influx, man, and it is undeniable. And whatever Sean Clifford is doing, that room is going to change in a major way. But first things first, someone's got to step up and play, uh, you know, legitimate quarterback. They don't have to go throw for 250 yards even. But that's where I get to the running back room. This feels like the game that is tailor-made if you're without your starting quarterback where you can say, turn around, hand it off to this outstanding stable of running backs. Well, record scratch, six games in, that's not the reality right now. They're down a few running backs, it looks like, right now coming out of the Iowa matchup. Not sure who's going to be available on Saturday. And the guys who are available have a lot to prove. This group collectively, game by game now, Sean, they've maxed out with a leading rusher, hitting over 70 yards once through six matchups. You hit us with the record scratch uh, vocals there. That was, that was very interesting. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of a, uh, one of those things that you struggle with looking this week. You should, you say you should be able to run the ball. You know, you should be able to run the ball against, against Villanova. You should be able to run the ball against Indiana and things like that. And you should be able to run the ball against Illinois, who, as we mentioned, solid defense, but still you can, that's a defense you can wear down. Um, but the running backs just have not been productive. I know Mark and I talked about it at length on the first episode this week, where we talked about the first half of the season and that you just have haven't gotten what you thought you could get out of those guys and, and what we've seen out of those guys. It's not like, you know, these guys haven't put up big numbers in the past or haven't shown glimpses where you can you can think you can rely on him as an every down back or them as an every down back. Um, but it just hasn't come around this year. Um, Noah Kane and Kevon Lee were the only, I guess we'd call them varsity running backs suited up at practice last night. Still no Devin Ford, still no John Lovett. Um, so you're going to see a lot of those guys this weekend. And then Kaziah Holmes is still wearing a scout team jersey. So that to me is pretty indicative of what they plan to do with, with those guys force feed them carries, see if something, uh, see if something catches and, and, and try and go from there. Yeah. And, and if either one of these guys can break out in, in this moment, it's an opportunity to try to seize the head of this backfield for the, for the stretch. I mean, you got a stretch run where you need guys to step up a running back. This is not sustainable to, to survive these next six games and be where you want to be. Um, you're coming off of a bye week. Jaywan Sider may not have his full arsenal, but this is, uh, an opportunity to really show what Noah Kane has in store for the second half of this season. What did Kevon Lee maybe pick up uh, a few lessons along the way in the first half of this year? 
And what does he look like coming out against Illinois? Remember, last year this was a game where they feasted on the ground. Kaziah Holmes was heavily involved down the stretch, almost 100 total yards, a couple touchdowns. Kevon Lee had a strong matchup, finishing a strong stretch for him. Uh, new year, but uh, I, I tend to think that Kevon Lee is the one, based on what we saw from the first six weeks, um, that he is better positioned to be the guy who goes out and has one of those 100-plus yard games, which Penn State has been searching for all season. You just wonder if you sit him down in the bye week and say, what are we doing here? You, this is not the the back that we brought in. This is not the back we saw last year. Um, so, you know, get back to that and go with it. And I agree with you. I think Kevon Lee is probably the guy, if you're looking for one to break out. Now we say that, no, it can, might go for 150 this weekend. Uh, but Lee would Lee would be the guy that's more likely to break out just based on what we've seen a little bit more. Uh, jump in that step. Um, you know, he's he's had his issues with putting the ball on the ground, and obviously he can't do that against anybody, even a two and five team. Um, but uh, I think he's a guy that you could really get behind and, and get rolling this weekend. And I know you addressed this um, on the show earlier without me, but PJ Mustver being lost for the season, what a huge hit for this team. Um, a guy that you, know, pick, you pick one guy out of this room that you say who's the leader of the team. Uh, he's he's an obvious candidate maybe to be that guy for this entire team. Sean Clifford, him. Um, so a tough one. And and, and a personnel standpoint, um, you know, I know he continues to lead on the sideline, and, and I think Mark wrote about that this week, and that's no surprise. But they got to have guys step up, and we know Devon Ellis has been stepping up each moment of the season feels like every game's been a stepping stone for him because I Izzard uh, coming along last week it really had to be forced in action I should say before the bye week so we're expecting to see more of him anyone else in terms of a young rising talent that you feel might be ready to break through well, you, you think about that that four game rule, and J- Jordan Vandenberg is a guy that uh, you know James Franklin mentioned on Tuesday. They've been able to get some reps in there with, so he's only played I think in one game so far. Amin Vanover is the interesting one because um, because we talk about Devon Ellis, we talk about um, Kaziah Izzard, but Amin Vanover, an athletic guy. James Franklin said on Tuesday that they you know have talked to him about putting weight on. They've always envisioned him as a defensive tackle, but what given what they have at end, you thought that maybe that he would have to stay there out of necessity. Now he's going to maybe have to move inside out of necessity. Really like him as a player. Um, it's just I don't think he's there uh, physically to be a, an every-down defensive tackle yet. Fatorma Mulba, a guy that they've looked to in in crunch time before. And you've always got Fred Hansard, um, but I think they're going to probably see what they have with those young guys, especially um, uh, especially Keziah Izzard. I think he's a guy that's probably in the spotlight this week. And, you know, that that offense isn't really scaring anybody. We'll talk to Jeremy Warner about it later on this weekend. He's he's probably more down on it than we are, and we've yeah. pretty much trampled it already. Um, but uh, it gives you a chance to get those guys in the game, gives you a chance to to maybe give Tangelo, um, you know, get him on the sideline and put those put those young guys beside each other and see what you can get out of out of that group. At the back end of this defense, the first six games, it was kind of like, okay, who exactly is available at safety at any given moment? You had Brisker coming off the field, on the field early in the year. It happened a couple times. And then you just have guys not available game by game. Is Keaton Ellis early. We know Jonathan Sutherland was pointed to by James Franklin coming out of Iowa as a guy who was injured and not able to return. And then Tyler Rudolph has not been seen with the program of recent weeks. So where is the safety depth right now? We know the two starters are playing at a high level. They love what they're getting out of Jair Brown and Jaquan Brisker, but you got to be able to go down that depth chart and have stable football going into this Big Ten stretch. 
Well, let me first say I probably saw more bounce in Jaquan Brisker yesterday, uh, midseason All-American by the AP, by the way, uh, probably saw more bounce in his step. So I'm thinking this is a guy that's been, you know, banged up through the first half of the season. So, you know, get the buy there and get some rest and get some other guys some reps while you're out and come back and get back to it. So that was I was good to see. Uh, Jonathan Sutherland was back at practice last night. So that's uh, obviously good news in terms of safety depth and special teams play and things like that. Keaton Ellis and Jalen Reed are the, the two other guys. I think we'll probably see more Keaton Ellis through the second half of the season. Um, but uh, it's, it's one of those things where you, you remember he didn't change positions all that long ago, and then he missed the first couple of weeks of the season. So safety depth about the same as it was, but if you get Sutherland back healthy, then you, you're feeling pretty good about four guys that you have there, maybe a fifth if you have to play Jalen Reed as well. Well, that's where we are with Penn State right now, uh, coming toward the final stretch of their first game week out of the bye week and getting to the second half of the season. Now it's time to look at the Illini. Let's get a better look at this Illinois football team that's coming to town this weekend uh, with Jeremy Werner, who covers uh, the Illini uh, for the Illini Inquirer with 24-7 Sports. Does a tremendous job. He's actually taking some time to talk football before getting into basketball. He does it all out there for for Illinois fans. But we appreciate you giving us some time on the Lions 24-7 podcast. Yeah, guys, thanks for having me. Yeah, I think uh, people excited to get to basketball season. Mid-September was already starting to be like, yeah, is it basketball season yet? But uh, a lot of reasons to be excited on that side. Um, for that may tell the story a bit, like the betting spread heading into this matchup. We have some, you know, we've talked about it here earlier on the podcast, some questions, concerns coming out of a bye week for Penn State. Not quite sure what kind of personnel they're going to roll out. Uh, but, but tell us right now, as we get through seven games of this Illinois football team under new leadership, Man, I, I, I read these quotes from the head coach there, and I'm scratching my head over how things are going right now. Yeah, I, I know he made uh, – he went viral a little bit with a, a minute and 30-second clip. Uh, I think that needs a little context for, for people that only saw that clip. I mean, us in the media, we're asking a lot about recruiting, right, because he had a bye week and he got on the trail for the first time uh, as a staff and went out and recruited, and he was at JUCOs, a recruiting offensive lineman, and he was uh, really looking for a quarterback uh, in the transfer portal. So he was being asked about that and kind of his philosophy as a head coach because uh, he's very different than Lovey Smith in the recruiting trail and that he is very involved. Um, he is, involves himself a lot more in the past head coach. And what he was saying is something that I've written, something that Illini fans know, uh, and that's that offensive line-wise, uh, the past staff was awful uh, in 2019 and 2020. They've had three guys transfer out from those two classes, uh, two guys that were late takes that didn't have any other Power 5 offers that aren't in the two deep right now. So that's what he was referring to. He wasn't referring to the entire offensive line. Uh, he wasn't referring to the entire team. There's probably two guys uh, that, that should be offended by that, and those guys know where they stand uh, with Brett Bielma. And then at quarterback, there's maybe one guy who, who should be offended about what he said, but he's the fourth on the depth chart. So I think he knows where he stands as well. Um, but I think that tells you where he's at and that they're two and five. They lost three one-possession games. The defense has been very competitive, especially the last four weeks, and they've made some big changes. But offensively, guys, um, their quarterback situation is horrendous. Their wide receiver crew, while they have a couple good players, they were quarterbacks last year. Uh, so that tells you about what they had at wide receiver, uh, what they inher inherited. So while Illinois had a lot of super seniors, they thought they could win some more games than they have so far. Brett Bielma deserves a little bit of blame for that, given – uh, some of the decisions he made late in those games with leads. He didn't go for it on fourth down. That really backfired for him. But I think it tells you the fact that we're focused on recruiting in the media and that I think they're starting to focus a little bit more on recruiting says that the rebuild is, is really about to start here. 
Jeremy, by the time Illinois got to Penn State last year in the crossover game, they were pretty well broken. Yeah. How much um, how much rehab does that team need to get back where they need to be? I know we talked about the comments from from Brett earlier this week, but how much truth is in that? And how much do you think that they're or how, how much further do you think they have to get to where they need to be somewhat competitive in the West there? There, there is some talent on this team. Uh, I think the defensive line has some encouraging young players, Keith Randolph, Seth Coleman, um, guys that will be here for a while. Like Owen Carney, I know Penn State was interested in, uh, in the transfer portal. He's a good player that has a chance at the NFL. A couple offensive linemen have a chance at the NFL. But they, they need a talent upgrades, guys. Like They can't, they can't go toe-to-toe against a team like Penn State that's recruiting the best in the country and win a lot of games. That, that's true of most teams atop the East there. But in the West, they've been pretty competitive against teams outside of Wisconsin, uh, but they just don't have depth at key areas. And most importantly, they don't have a quarterback. Uh, they, they haven't had a homegrown multi-year starter since the last guy that went in and won at Penn State. And that was Nathan Schuhaus. It's been a long time. Nathan Schuhaus is now a co-offensive coordinator. He's now a co-offensive coordinator at Iowa State under Matt Campbell. Uh, so that tells you how long it's been. They've had to, you know, transfer recruiting for quarterbacks is fine, but they've had to patchwork with guys who aren't that good. Um, so I do think this coaching staff guys is pretty good. Uh, I, I do think defensively they're pretty good. I, you know, there's some questions offensively with offense coordinator Tony Peterson uh, with how that'll translate. But yeah, I think they're at a point where Brett Bielman knew he had his work cut out for him when he got here. I think they thought they could have a better first year. And you flip a couple games, one possession games, guys. They lost to Maryland by three. They lost to, um, to Purdue by four. And we saw what Purdue did last week. David Bell wasn't playing in the game against someone else that helped. But uh, they can compete against some teams in the Big Ten West and lower Big Ten East. Like, I think they have a chance to beat Rutgers. I think they have a chance to beat Northwestern. I think they have a chance to compete against Minnesota. But against the Penn States uh, and Iowas of the world, um, they got a long way to go. Um, and, and Brett Bielman was just the latest – coach to, to try and figure that out I, I do think just to give your listeners he's a college football coach he knows what it takes to recruit to build something that he's going to have to be a development program like northwestern wisconsin iowa um illinois makes bowl games most of your guys um, he's going to get a statue um, so that's that's what they need to find is that kind of model um and, and it's just not even year one he's only recruited 13 players on this roster Penn State has not exactly faced a buzzsaw of opposing quarterbacks to this point in the season. And, and to your point, that will be the case once again. That they're, they're facing a team that I look at game by game here who their leading passer was, and these are familiar names for Penn, for Penn State fans. Brandon Peters, Art Sikowski from Big Ten campuses past. They're now both in Illinois. And, uh, man, the last two games, Brandon Peters, the leading passer at Charlotte, which was a win, 78 yards. The week before, he throws for 100 and a 13-9 loss at Purdue. And then 24 to nothing loss at, at Wisconsin on October 9th. Sikowski was the leader with 55 passing yards. That's some tough football to watch right now. What is going so wrong for them? And, and it's because it's hard to imagine unless that changes in a tremendously dramatic way. The Illini are going to have no chance to come to the Beaver Stadium and, and come and you know push for some kind of upset. Yeah, to be honest with you, I'd be surprised if they get double-digit points. I mean, their running game actually is pretty decent, guys. Like Chase Brown could play for a lot of Big Ten teams. Josh McCray, a freshman, 6'1", 240 is a load with a little bit of burst to him. Reminds you of some of those Wisconsin running backs Bielema had. And the offensive line, they struggle to pass protect, but they're pretty good in, in run blocking. But they're facing eight man boxes because nobody respects the passing game. Uh, they have issues at every level, guys. The wide receivers just aren't that talented. They don't have a big physical target. 
uh, outside their tight ends who struggle to get the ball because the quarterback struggled to get them the ball. The pass protection has been weak, I think especially on the interior. And right tackle Alex Pacheski has been coming back from a torn ACL and just hasn't looked the same in pass pro. Um, and then the quarterbacks are, are just woeful, guys. Um, I, I think Brandon Peters, the last two years, has played one good game. Now, he's, he's had a weird two years. He had COVID last year, missed three games. Uh, this year he's missed several games due to injury and got injured again against Wisconsin. But he just looks unconfident. Uh, he looks lifeless out there. They've always been talking about he needs to be a better leader, more vocal. He hasn't done it. Um, I, I think with no more years of eligibility, I think it's time to turn it to Arthur Sikowski, who's not accurate. I think people remember the 19 or 20 interceptions he threw as a freshman. He was a serviceable backup at uh, Rutgers the last couple of years. And I think he's been a serviceable backup for Illinois. He's just not a good starter so far. Uh, but he just gives him life because he actually throws the ball downfield. Like he actually gives his receivers a chance. Sometimes it's a, not an accurate throw. Sometimes the defenders get a hand on it and should intercept it, and they haven't. Um, but he just at least gives them a chance. Um, but he threw 12 straight incompletions when he came in against Wisconsin. Um, so I think that tells you where they're at. But I think at least Art comes in and gives you a little energy. Uh, and I think that's what they need more than anything is you got to have you got to be able to throw the ball downfield. And against Wisconsin, he was at least able to draw some defensive pass interferences. They do have a couple interesting targets, guys. Isaiah Williams, I knew, uh, actually had a great first quarter, great first half against Penn State last year as a quarterback. He can run. Uh, when he gets to the open field, he's dangerous. It's just defenses can contain him um, because they don't have to really worry about everyone else. Deuce Span is a former quarterback as well. That's kind of a deep threat. He's coming off a hamstring injury. But outside of that, there's just not enough weapons out there. And actually, two of the most talented guys, Jafar Armstrong, who's a Notre Dame transfer, and Brian Hightower had three touchdowns last year. And uh, I think he had a good game against Penn State as well. He's barely played. So it's, it's been really weird to watch. But uh, the passing attack – if they throw over 150 yards, guys, it'd be a huge story here because they haven't done that in three games. And just to, Obviously. sorry, oh just to, just to remind our listeners, Josh Matorbebe, uh, former Southern Cal standout, who you and I talked about this summer, had a really nice career for himself at Illinois wide receiver. He's off. He's 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 off trying to chase his professional dream. So he had been a big weapon. He actually did not play last year for Penn State, but I know maybe some fans don't follow Illinois closely. He's not a factor anymore either. So. They miss him. I mean, Brandon, <laughs> yeah. Brandon, Brandon Peters has not been the same quarterback without him. Uh, Brandon was really inconsistent in 2019 when they made a bowl, but he had some big performances. A lot of times he just threw the ball up for Josh Matorbebe, and he was good enough to go get it. And as you said, he's not on the, he's not on the Jaguars practice squad, so um, he obviously has some talent. I get it, guys. You both can say his name, and I can't. No need to rub it in my face. So, um, what do what do we think? What do we think about this identity of this uh, the the future for for Brett Bielema here? Because James Franklin had some interesting comments last night. He talked about uh, Bielema's new staff hires maybe don't go along with what he's done in the past, and obviously at Wisconsin power running. Obviously at, at Arkansas, he wanted to identify himself as power running. Can't do that right now with that offensive line um, at Illinois. But what do you think that? Two years from now, they're trying to look like – are they trying to replicate what he did at, at Wisconsin? I think it'll look something similar like that. because, Guys, I think it worked in the West, right? Like you look at the teams that win, Wisconsin, Iowa, Northwestern. They'll do a little bit different, something different, but they're physical, sound football teams, right? They, they get kind of these under-ranked recruits for the most part. Like Iowa recruits pretty well. They, they recruit pretty well, but not compared to like what these power teams do in the East. Uh, but they play physical football. They play ball control. Um, they limit mistakes, limit turnovers. Uh, but they're not throwing it around like you know Purdue tries to, um, like and, and has struggled to for the most part. 
Uh, they don't throw it around like Ohio State, like Penn State. Um, I, I think that is a right way to build. I do think I question, will they get the quarterback that can run a little bit? Um, Brandon Peters and Archer Sikowski actually are decent athletes, but I still think you got to have that threat. Um, when, when you go 10 against 11, when you don't have a guy who can make plays with his legs as much, I, I just think that's a disadvantage. I do like where they're going defensively. They're going to be very multiple. Like Lovey Smith was very bland. Um, you knew what he was running. Every coordinator, every head coach said they run what they run and they don't disguise it. Um, Ryan Walters disguises more. They run multiple fronts. They, they're more aggressive. They've been more zone coverage this year just because of personnel, but I think they're going to get more aggressive, kind of like Wisconsin and Iowa do, uh, running man coverage when they get the personnel they want. But I do think they're going to run the football. Uh, I think that's what they want to do. They want to get big physical offensive linemen uh, in the future. Um, the question is, do they, can they make enough playmakers? to? Can they do that better in Iowa? Can they do that better in Wisconsin? Or do they need to find more playmakers? So my questions are more on the offensive side of the ball. I do think they'll get good offensive linemen, running backs, and defensive players. It's just will they have the skill to compete with uh, the better teams in the Big Ten? Illinois with the number 46 class nationally by 24-7 sports in 22. Um, coming along, 15 commits. And, I, I mean, number one, how much work do they have to do to sort of right the wrongs of the Smith area? I know they've, they've always been big in spots, uh, East St. Louis and, and those areas around there. Obviously, Chicago, very important. And, and interesting here, a couple of guys from Jersey, they're familiar names yeah. for us. Donovan Leary um, from, from Timber Creek. I think he's a really good quarterback. I saw him at the Elite 11 this spring. I thought he was very good. Um, and Matt Fries, the younger brother yeah. of Will Fries who started at Penn State. Um, you know, how much work uh, recruiting-wise, I know you got to get out of here, but how much work do they have to do, and, and where does that footprint going to come from? I think this class has been really solid, guys. Kind of reminds me of Lovey Smith's first class where he kind of bought in-state, um, and he was able to get some really good in-state players, including Kendrick Green, who plays for the Pittsburgh Steelers, starting center there. Um, I, I think they've done really well in-state. It just takes a lot of effort. Uh, and this state is maybe over-recruited at times, but when you're Illinois – you got to be able to recruit the state. And Lovey Smith just basically ignored it uh, after his first season. And you just saw all these kids, um, you know, leaving and, and going to other Big Ten programs, going across the country. And I don't expect Illinois to get the best kids, the top, you know, 10 kids, like getting all of them. Um, but if they get a couple of them and then get a bunch of the next tier kids, you can have a really solid program. And Brett Bielman knows that from Wisconsin. He knows that even from Arkansas. But Illinois has better talent than, than those areas. So they, they've improved their – they're going to recruit Florida. They're trying to get in Ohio. As you said, New Jersey, they've done pretty well. I think they're just going to have better Midwest footprint. Um, and and I, I think Bielma's got a good staff of recruiters. And 46 guys, that would be the best class for Illinois in a decade. So just to put that in perspective for Penn State fans who are used to top 20 classes, um, that would be an improvement uh, for them. So I think they, they've shown that. I think they can build in-state. Once you get some kids, they talk to each other. They're friends with each other. They can build that up. So um, the key is going to be development, though, guys. It's finding the right pieces and developing them. That's what made Iowa, Wisconsin. I would even say Michigan State and D'Antonio. Um, that's what made them so good before they kind of took off recruiting and kind of backfired for Michigan State. Um, I think that's, that's the key to success for Illinois. Jeremy, you've got to jump into some basketball coverage. You sound like you're really down on the Illini offense. Defensively, you sound like you're okay. They, they lose Jake Hansen, a, a standout linebacker, a team captain. He's out for the season going into this one. What are your thoughts on where this game ends up on the scoreboard and why? 
Yeah, Jake Hansen, it's a shame, man. He's a really good football player. Mike Epstein, another kid who's out, uh, has played really well when he's been healthy, but he's missed 39 games uh, in his career. Just two guys who are really good football players for Illinois during a downtime. Um, Tariq Barnes and Kalon Tolson have played um, a lot of football for Illinois, so they actually had some depth there. But I, I do think Penn State could take advantage because they're not as big physical as some of the linebackers they've lost to injury this year. So um, I expect Penn State, especially if they had the backup quarterbacks in. I know Clifford practiced, but I know you guys probably question whether he'll play. Um, if Clifford doesn't play, I would expect him to run the ball. Uh, and I know that's been a struggle for Penn State, but I think they can do it against Illinois' uh, interior at times. Uh, and, and for me, it's for Illinois, you've got to keep things in front of them. they got to try and force turnovers. And they just have to throw some downfield shots and hope they complete them um, or at least get some pass interference. you got to be able to stretch the, stretch the field. I just don't think Illinois is going to be able to score. Um, and if they score more than 10 points, I'd be surprised given how good athletic Penn State's defense is. And while I think Illinois' defense can compete, guys, I just think at some point they're going to get worn down because they're going to be on the field so much. And we know how good Jahan Dotson and, and Parker Washington, those tight ends are. So um, – Maybe the backup quarterbacks keep them in the game if those guys play. Maybe the defense can force some takeaways because they're pretty good at that. I just don't think Illinois can score enough points to, to beat a team like Penn State. Jeremy Werner does a fantastic job covering the Illini for the Illini Inquirer with us at 24-7 Sports. Happy to have him on for this one. Go enjoy that hoops coverage. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks again to Jeremy. Great stuff from him on this team. I, I've learned some more, and it's reaffirmed everything I thought about this offense, Sean. Yeah, um, he he was none too uh, none too complimentary of that group, and of course it's going to start with the quarterback. And we we mentioned and we saw against Iowa for Penn State how important quarterback play is, and um, you know a lot of times uh, in the past you could get away with with hiding a guy there, not so much anymore. So we'll we'll see on Saturday how the Illinois, how the Fighting Illini elect to do that. Um, it's going to be tough. I think with this defense, it's going to be tough. And we've seen uh, both of those guys have not exactly been uh, you know, the standard for quarterback play in the Big Ten West. It just seems like so long ago. I remember watching that Nebraska-Illinois game, and I know last week to you seems like so long ago, but it seems yes. like so long ago from a football standpoint um, that you thought, oh, maybe Illinois has something here, or maybe Nebraska is just that bad. Nebraska obviously has somewhat right of the ship there, um, but Illinois you just haven't seen the, uh, the the pop in that offensive game for a long time. And those are a couple of quarterbacks that went to their initial schools with a lot of fanfare. Brandon Peters is a guy I covered pretty closely coming out of high school. He was Jim Harbaugh's first big addition to that quarterback room as a recruit. Art Sikowski went down to IMG Academy. It didn't work out for him there, but it was a lot of fanfare around him. Went Stuck home, went to, to Rutgers. Did, and now here they are at Illinois kind of you know running on fumes in their careers and going up against a defense like this, Sean, it just – it's a bad situation for the Illini, and, and I think this defense is – they got some things to figure out. There's no doubt about it. P.J. Mustafer, it was playing outstanding, outstanding football up front for them. They've, they've got to sort through there. they got to short things up. It's a nice game to do that. Derek Cangelo certainly going to have to play at a high level of football, maybe take things up another notch uh, in, in the leadership department it, it, it up front. Um, but I think right now you look at all three phases of this defense – I don't have many concerns against Illinois. You heard the, the reference to Williams there, a guy that can get loose. Um, he can do it as a receiver. He's a guy that should be used on gadget plays as a runner. You may see him uh, line up uh, elsewhere. But, uh, you know, I, I just look across this Illinois roster. Emmett Torbebe is long gone, like we said, and I'll say his name again for you there. I just don't find I just don't find a game changer, and I don't see a quarterback who can utilize that game changer. But on the flip side, does Penn State have one? And if it's Sean Clifford, that answers a lot of questions that I might have. But if it's not, 
then man, it's hard for me not to revert right back to where my head was on the post game podcast about eight or I guess ten days ago at this point. I've lost track of time. You have no idea. You, have <laughs> yeah, no, no, you just got into a uh, into a whirlwind <laughs> there and just started talking in circles. Yes. And I, I, it's understandable. I, I get Thank it. Thank you. Um, but you, you look at uh, what Penn State's able to do defensively this week, and I think you go after them. You just flat yeah. out you try and crush them like right off the bat, uh, sending guys, making those quarterbacks make poor decisions. They've they're prone to it. They've been able to. Uh, they they're guys that have turned the ball over in the past, and and I think you can do that. The running game I think is okay but if, if you put them in a situation where you put them behind the sticks or you got third and eight or something like that you're going to be feel very uh very fortunate to um be in the position that you're at because you can take that ball away I think from Illinois so um I, I think Illinois is going to try I don't, I don't want to say they're going to sit on the ball but you're going to see a lot of first and second down runs and, and see where that gets them and it's going to put pressure on Penn State's uh you know front four especially with working those new guys in there um so it's going to be big on the linebackers this week. Offensively, you know, we don't know who the quarterback is going to be, and I don't think that's going to be something we find out before the first snap or before warm-ups on Saturday. So you just go into it expecting the guy to be in a better position than they were in Iowa City. If it's Roberson, you know, you take a little bit of that pressure off, maybe get some some short uh, short throws or something like that to, to get him uh, confident. And if you look back at the Illinois game last year, remember the, the first throw, a short throw to Jahan Dotson that he just ran by everybody and had, I think, a couple of 75-yard touchdowns in that game. So use those guys close to the line of scrimmage. Um, try not to have Roberson do, do do too much if he's the guy that's in there. And if Clifford's in there, just do what you do, and, and it, it should take care of itself. And Jahan Dotson's still out there. Whoever the quarterback is, and Mike Yurcich is going to have Jahan Dotson as part of his game plan. And, you know, what do you do if, if, if it's not Sean Clifford? Do you find ways to get Jahan Dotson more involved near the line of scrimmage? Do you find ways to get Jahan Dotson involved as a runner? Uh, these were things that we didn't see happen over the course of that Iowa matchup. There was a lot of missed targets. I think it was two of seven were actually uh, connected with him. There was interception. That can't happen again. But Jahan Dotson, last time we saw him against Illinois, almost 240 all-purpose yards. Two touchdowns that go for 70-plus yards. I think that was the first time a Penn State player had done that in a single game. If it wasn't, I apologize to whoever that was before him, but I believe that was the case. So he went off on this team, and John Dotson goes off on a lot of opponents. And I feel like if you found a way to get him the ball two or three times even against Iowa during that final stretch, you probably find a way for him to get you some points on the board, whether it's getting in field goal range for Jordan Stout or finding his way to the end zone. I'd love to see some early action for Jahan Dotson. I know a lot of the focus and emphasis is on Noah Kane, Kevon Lee, get that ground game going, bail your quarterback out. But regardless of who the quarterback is, I want to see them be assertive with Jahan Dotson and really try to, to get him rolling early because that, that just creates so much for Illinois to have to deal with. And then you can utilize all that talent across the field because there are mismatches all over the place, although Illinois has played respectable defense to this point. Yeah, get your points and get them early if you can. I mean, that's the thing. Like, it, it doesn't matter um, if you're trying to establish the run game. If you can get Jahan Dotson loose in the first quarter, you know, you, we saw in the Villanova game, you know, they they hit him on a big play. Of, what was the first play of the game? So yep. um, get your points early and then try to do your stuff, try to work your 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 rotations in there. And and again, don't want to sound like we're talking all that down on, on Illinois, but this is a, what, a 23-point line or something like that. Penn State's favored and rightfully so. Um, do what you got to do to to get where you need to be to work on your stuff. Let's talk Sean Clifford real quick, Sean, for, for the final time. Let's say he is. Yeah, I'm sure I think it'll I, be the final time. Yeah. The fi well, the final time on this podcast before, yeah, before the post game podcast, maybe. Sean, we get to 
the pregame. We're in Beavers. Well, you're in Beaver Stadium. I'm following along. And Sean Clifford in pads, I think we're both thinking. I mean, we, we see him on practice field. If he's in pads, we're, then we're waiting to see who takes those snaps. It feels like it's going to be a waiting game, and it takes me back to Trace McSorley on the road at Michigan in 2018. They went with McSorley, who was very much hobbled. I don't think Sean's to that point, and it was a disaster for them on the road. They're home. It's Illinois. It's not a top-10 opponent. But, you know, you got to keep the binoculars on number 14, I think, probably until 15 minutes before pregame. Yeah, and, and, and James Franklin's not going to come out and say it, but, you know, there's a different outlook when you're playing Illinois and you've got or, and you've got Ohio State in, you know, on the horizon. So you've got to think about that. Um, he wants he clearly wants to get um, reps for uh, Roberson and Veyer. It's just got to be the, the situation where you you have to focus on the number one task at hand and that's winning the game. Um, so that's why, yeah, I, you know, expect to be expect Clifford to be there um, again. You know, he could very well come out and start and and play a bunch on Saturday, but just based on the way that he looked on Wednesday night. Um, but do, do you put him in that situation? Do you put your team in that situation? I think James said um, after practice, it's, it's about getting the most out of what you can put out there. And and do you get the most out of putting Sean Clifford in harm's way, you know, against a, a fairly solid defense for the rest of the season? You know, that, that that's really where I, where I struggle with that. And again, you know, you'd love to see him out there. You maybe you'd love to see him play a couple series and then, you know, get get some points on the board and hand the reins over. That's that's probably the ideal situation. Um, but yeah, you want to keep your quarterback safe and, and healthy and and set your team up for a potential Big Ten uh, title run, a potential playoff run. And it's quite obvious that Clifford's going to be the guy that has to get you there. And if Clifford is not the the, the quarterback leading this t- offense onto the field and he's in, on the side in the pads, and let's say he's available potentially to play. Um, best case scenario, Clifford gets wrapped in bubble wrap until they get to Columbus, and then you see what you've got in him physically. Take one Roberson takes strides, Bayer gets reps, you're six and one. You see what happens the rest of the way with Clifford back at quarterback. Worst case scenario, the offense sputters, Illinois hanging around. We're getting into the second quarter. What does the leash look like for Taquan Roberson? Is a big question. I'm not asking you to answer it. That's a question that I have. Uh, and then additionally, What's the leash look like from the home fans? I know there's probably going to be an effort to get behind this guy early. You know, you want to support your quarterback, but let's face it, at some point, if it looks like a repeat performance or somewhat to that level of what we saw last time Roberson was playing quarterback, Beaver Stadium is not going to stay quiet and supportive. Yeah, and and I'm very sorry you missed your wheelhouse last week with the, the backup quarterback talk because that's something you've been Ooh, building baby. up to for a long time. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you're right, and and I don't think Roberson is as bad as as we saw in Iowa City. I I I, I hope not. I, I don't think he's the guy long term. I don't think he's the the guy that's going to carry Penn State where they want to be. Um, but at the same time, you're in a more comfortable situation. You're hopefully you're not your back's not up against the wall. Um, you're not yelling against a you know. 90,000 people or whatever it was. Um, so you, you've got some things going for you. If you're Roberson, you have a chance to get comfortable. Uh, now he comes out and it's just flat out bad. You got to figure something else out because that's not, uh, we talked about, about it earlier. This is a, a, a quarterback room. That's going to be very much in flux uh, over the next couple of months. So I, I don't have an answer for you there. I, I, I don't think anybody can forecast exactly how this one's going to go, but I think he's in a better position to be successful this weekend. And maybe he'll, maybe he'll surprise some people and make the most of it. It feels like there's a lot of paths that, that this one could go. Um, I have a hard time leading, seeing any of those paths leading toward a loss. And I think we can get into our predictions right now. Um, if we're talking a healthy Sean Clifford, I mean, we're talking about a huge margin here. I might throw your way. Now, I don't know. I, th- does this offense without Sean Clifford, can they put up 24 points? Can they put up 20 points? I, I'm still trying to figure that out. 
the bad taste left in our mouth from last time we saw them. I'm going 34 to seven. Um, I think I have here written down. Yeah, 34 to seven, Penn State over Illinois. I, I just see a, a very, very strong, sturdy performance from this defense. I see turnovers from Brandon Peters, Art Sikaski. The 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 jury is is certainly decided the verdict for both these quarterbacks. They're not good enough to come into Beaver Stadium and and play up to even competing against a defense like this, in my opinion. So. I'm going to say they force at least three turnovers. I wouldn't be surprised if we see something like a four or five turnover game for one of these quarterbacks. And because of that, really, Penn State, you got to muster something on the ground um, and you got to get it done through the air a little bit to come away with a win. I think they, they, the ceiling, it, it, I think they do that. And I think they're probably a little bit more on the ground. And I say Kevon Lee goes for 100 yards uh, as a rusher. So a step forward for him. You survive without Sean Clifford if you're without him. And if Sean Clifford's on the field, then you know, let, let's get me into the 40s, maybe even the 50s on the scoreboard. But I'm going to go 34 to 7 in this matchup and a 6 and 1 star for Penn State. Yeah, I'll meet you in the middle as well. I got 31 to 6 Penn State. Um, I, I don't think Illinois is going to score many points. I agree. The turnovers are there. And do you remember what Penn State's second touchdown was against Illinois last year? Uh, was it a. a the kick uh, was it a it, kick return? Yeah, Lamont, Lamont Wade, Wade yes. kick return. Oh my so gosh! I could see you know, and Penn State hasn't returned many kicks this year, but yeah. you have a chance to to make some plays in the third facet. So I could see punt return, kick return, something like that uh, happening. Uh, I've got Penn State at thirty-one, probably conservative, just based on the fact that we don't know who the quarterback is going to be. But I think that's understandable. Um, and again, I I don't see Illinois' offense, although you know the freshman running back I think is pretty good. Actually, the, both the running backs are pretty decent running backs. Um, and, and I think could definitely, definitely play in the big 10. Um, but I don't think they're going to be able to sustain those drives. And I think those quarterbacks are going to turn the ball over. I'm just going to repeat this. If it does get ugly for Roberson or even if it doesn't, uh, my question is, do you see more reps? How much do you see for Tyler Warren? That's my question. I'm not going to go as far as to say he's the number two quarterback this week, but I am curious. I've said it before. They trusted him some, in some key moments. How much do you see this offense get conservative if it develops a lead and it turns into something like what we saw on the road at Rutgers last year, where you're just trying to tuck the ball, run it, not turn it over, milk the clock. I'd hate to see it come to that game for the fans who show up there, for us who want to watch the game. But we have to be realistic about where this could go if Sean Clifford's not involved. Well, you think who's Penn State's highest rated passer this season? It's John Dodson. Dodson? Yeah. You put the ball in his hands, make <laughs> yeah, him the emergency right. quarterback. Tweeter, you take the snaps. Okay. Um, so I think it's uh I I I hope it's not it doesn't get to that situation. Yeah. Like I said, Roberson should be in a better spot and hopefully he can make the most of it if he if he is out there when when the game is in doubt. All right. If, if just in case Taekwon needed any more pressure, there was another top 24-7 update uh, from 24-7 sports recruiting squad this week. And we want to just get through that a little bit because there's a new number one quarterback in those rankings. His name is Drew Aller. You've heard him on this podcast a few times. And Sean, what a leap. I mean, this is a guy when Penn State offered, I think he was still in three-star territory. Now the number 12 overall prospect and the number one quarterback in 24-7 sports 2022 recruit rankings. He's been nothing short of incredible as a senior, um, just has the questions that we had about whether it be accuracy or completion percentage and and whether those two runs hand in hand. Uh, he's been absolutely incredible this this year, um, and he's he's done it on big stage playing against big competition. Um, just everything you look at, he's he's done the right way and he's and he's been really good at, uh, you know, hand, playing within himself and then taking it upon himself to to make some of these throws that are just 
he should not be making in high school. Just absolutely no nobody that's 17, 18 years old should be able to, to make some of the throws that he has. So number 12 overall, new five-star prospect, and we'll end up with 32 five-stars by the end of the cycle, but not quite there yet. Um, he snuck into five-star status. He'll be a guy that that, that we watch closely. Uh, the bullseye's on his back now. He'll be a guy that, uh, that we at 24-7 Sports watch closely at the All-American game, but just the the kid is so very talented. Penn State's got two really good quarterbacks in this class. Uh, of course, Bo Provula with a big week uh, again, once again this week. And I feel bad for Bo because we kind of give all this attention to Drew. And you Bo's wrote a story really on Bo. You wrote a story, a story on Bo. Bo deserves the, yeah. the recognition. I know. You know, it's, it, it wasn't the the biggest competition that he's played, but nine of nine for three hundred twenty six yards and six oh, touchdowns is a pretty decent week. So. Um, <laughs> Couple of really good quarterbacks, and that's why we, when we talk about Roberson and and yeah. and 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 potentially Clifford next year, this this quarterback room is is going to be something different. So I'm, I'm I'm excited to see the progress there. Um, you, you look at what um, has happened with Drew, um, and Ohio State came through with an offer. Penn State was still the school that he wants to go to. Mike Yersich still the offensive coordinator that he wants to play with. Uh, you got something special there, and I think it's uh, it's one that you can actually get to the finish line. I know everybody's going to make the Justin Fields comparisons now that he's a five-star quarterback, but this is a guy that you can get to the finish line and get him in in January and, and give him a start on on, a, on what could be a really special college career. And what's really cool about this is he's not a robo QB kid. Like those are the guys that we talk about when like the rankings come out when they're freshmen or sophomores. It's the kids who dad's taking them to every quarterback camp he's filming every rep in the backyard at eight nine years old and that's okay hey it produces exceptional athletes the williams sisters i mean I, for for instance and and you can name a lot of quarterbacks but it also creates a bit of a prima donna situation with some quarterback prospects and from the get i mean drew would have said okay i see bo perbule in the class i respect him i think we can be teammates he has been very low-key and to his credit, it seems like that has continued. I know he's, you know, been been a little bit few and far between with a lot of media stuff because he doesn't want to talk about recruiting. And when you live in Ohio and Ohio State offers you and people hear about it, that's going to be the conversation that people want to get into with you. But to his credit, he has been about as low-key of a high-profile quarterback prospect. And maybe that's because when we started talking to him, Sean, he wasn't that high-profile quarterback prospect. He was a kid with what 12 high school starts and a nice little offer sheet that was getting better by the day, but this is quite the leap, and you don't really see this often at the quarterback position in rankings. Usually, they're pretty well sorted out by the time these kids are through their junior seasons. Yeah, and that's uh, there's a bunch of good quarterbacks out there, but I don't think anybody has moved as much as Drew um, this season because, like, like I said, the, we sit there and poke and prod and look for the flaws and, 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 you know, he's a high school quarterback. There are going to be flaws. Absolutely. Um, but he's done a nice job of responding. He's done it on a big stage, which I think that that kind of matters. Um, when you're talking about playing uh, top flight competition in, in Northeast Ohio, he's done a, a tremendous job there. And just, you look at, uh, what's been successful in the NFL and, you, you kind of fall into the trap of saying, oh, he's got the multiple arm angles and the side arms and the, the throws on the run and everything like that. Well, that's all great, but, you know, he's he's pretty good fundamental quarterback. He's He's got that huge arm um, that we tend to overrate sometimes, but he does it with accuracy. He, he's able to, to, to move around. He's able to move the sticks with his legs. Um, he's not not a guy that's just going to stand back there and, and, and take sacks and things like that. So there's just so many things to like. I mean, by far the best uh, the best quarterback prospect in terms of tools that that James Franklin has brought in um, and, and will be able to sign. So uh, congratulations to Drew. Of course, he's been great to us uh, 24-7 in uh, sports and line, uh, with our site and our podcast and everything like that. But 
that's a big jump and and hopefully for for his sake he can hang on to it because that's a big feather in the cap of of a guy that can't recruit quarterbacks as most people say in James Franklin. Drew will finish his high school career, his prep career uh, at the All-American Bowl down in San Antonio, Texas in early January. That'll be on national television. And in that same backfield, I'd imagine they'll be paired up in that matchup, Sean. Nick Singleton, who happens to be the number one running back in 24-7 sports rankings. By the way, if you have just been taking our word for it on Aller and Singleton, Caden Saunders, who I'm going to talk about in a second, he's in the top 100. So is Denied Dennis Sutton. Dennis Sutton at 91, Caden Saunders at 89. But just getting back to Singleton and Aller for a second, number one quarterback, number one running back in their national rankings here at 24-7 Sports. Watch these highlights. Watch the film from this season. Do not take our word for it. You've heard us talk about these guys a lot. I mean, just ridiculous stuff, ridiculous footage being produced on a weekly basis by both of these players. I, you know, I, I've been skeptical of Singleton in, in the past. Now, you know, I, I really loved Amari Hampton, who committed to, to North Carolina, who Penn State almost got in the boat. Um, and Penn State had those guys rated very similar, uh, very similar on their own board. Uh, but Singleton, to me, as a senior, looks looks different. I mean, he looks like a different back. And I say that in the best way possible because he's, uh, you know, a guy that always looked like an athlete. And Berks County, you know, you're, you're not going to be playing the top flight competition that a lot of schools are. But this is a team that he can, you know, put on his back and take into the state playoffs and and be very, uh, very competitive with the, with the schools that he's going to play against. So uh, he's just uh, continues to move up. I I'm always skeptical about running backs myself, you know, just based on it, it's such a crapshoot. Some of the guys that are the best physical specimens may not pan out, um, but Singleton has done a lot to erase my personal doubts about him. I, I, I know that, uh, you know, it's, it's so tough to rank, rank running backs high, but he's been so good and just gives you a lot of those same things that, that Saquon did once in a while or once upon a time here. So um, not, I hate making that comparison, but you, you look at the athletic numbers, you look at uh, the way that he's been able to carry himself and carry the football this year. And he's just been, he's been incredible. Bo Perbula made that comparison on our podcast uh, several months good. ago. We'll so you have good company. Yeah. yeah, you have good <laughs> company there. Um, again, uh, th- these guys were not alone in the top 24-7. As I mentioned, Caden Saunders, uh, number 89 overall. Deny Dennis Sutton, who, who suffered an injury earlier this season. He's at number 91 overall. Drew Shelton, the offensive tackle back home in Pennsylvania, uh, number 141. Cam Miller, the cornerback out of Jacksonville, Florida, number 143. This is a long list. Katron Howland, the running back at IMG Academy, 151. Anthony Ivy, another in-state prospect at wide receiver, number 157. Makai Flowers, another in-state prospect, receiver, safety, tremendous athlete. He's at 219. I mean, that is uh, an impressive group, and this is a a class that's no longer number one. We knew that it was only a matter of time because of the the quantity of this class. They're going to be near that top of that board, though, come National Signing Day, unless things unravel for some unforeseen reason. And there you see it, just a lot of star power gathered. And the impressive thing here is we got to acknowledge it. This was all put together, essentially, well before Penn State righted the ship on the field, leaped back into the top 10. And that has just gone a long way towards solidifying the plans that are upcoming here in December. Yeah, once again, just it doesn't make a ton of sense in terms no. <laughs> of how Penn State was able to turn this around. I'm looking at the 2021 class right now just to to get a feel for how many guys were, you know, would you say seven or seven or eight guys in the in the top two four seven um for the 24-7 sports rankings in the 22 class. I think there's like three or four in the 21 in the 21 class, and all those guys were uh, near the tar- tail end. Uh, of that group, so it's been a remarkable turnaround for Penn State. Now, you know, Harrison Wallace was two, uh, number two, two hundred forty-seven there. Uh, so four guys in there. So just a remarkable Nine turnaround. Is the number. Nine? Nine, yeah. 
See, I'm gonna, I'm gonna double. You, I'm gonna count it up again, but I got nine here. When you're losing track of how many guys are in the top two, four, seven, and I know this is a problem. I'm sure Alabama folks have, Georgia folks have. Georgia's, <laughs> by the way, flipped a guy from USC. Now he was a Georgia kid, so that was probably going to happen eventually. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's uh, when you're losing track, especially after that 2021 cycle. This is a pretty good spot to be in. It's a real good spot. We'll see if Penn State can get it done on the field. They'll be back in Beaver Stadium. Uh, for an afternoon kickoff on Saturday. Sean and I, of course, back with you for a post-game podcast. Thanks for giving me a little time to step aside here, Sean. Really do appreciate that. And second half of the season starts on Saturday. Yeah, family first. So we're, we're happy to uh, have you back. I know you're not going to be in the stadium on Saturday, but we will be back at you with the post-game show uh, on Saturday early evening. Hopefully uh, hopefully we're in a spot where we we know what we're talking about. And we feel pretty good about where, where things sit. So um, there will be plenty to discuss, I'm sure. Plenty for you to listen to. Thank you for joining us on the Lions 24-7 podcast. And Tyler, being a dad looks great on you. It's great to have you back. Thank you. And if you want to see what it looks like, go to our YouTube channel at Lions 24-7. Appreciate it, Sean. Thanks to our producer, Lance Glenn. Uh, we'll come at you on Saturday. Post game, Illinois, Penn State. Talk to you real soon.